Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Texans Jets burial show. I know I'm sorry, post game show. Robert with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. He's out at the station right now. The Texans just get hammered by a Jets team that had lost five in a row. Stroud, Nico, Anderson, and Cashman injured. Sean, did they cancel Christmas too? I missed it. Did they did they do that? <laughs> Definitely stole our Christmas joy on this Sunday, that's for sure. I don't know if they canceled it, but it's gonna take a little bit of something, something to get in the juices flowing again. Yeah, this was uh about as bad as it could get. And really the loss is like the least of the worries, Sean. And you know, Stroud he he got a concussion, it sounds like. So that means likely I would assume he misses the next game. I mean, that's been typical when there's been these concussions, unless it's a higher end concussion. But I mean, this is a game, the next game that you thought you're going to win because you're facing the Titans and it's really one of the easier games that you had left. You know, it's just, there's other issues, but obviously Stroud's first and foremost. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, you, you can't speculate on these types of things, but I was just rewatching the hit that he took uh, where he suffered the concussion and man, I mean, Probably, I'd say maybe kind of looks a little worse just because the ground, it was saturated, and you see that just the rain just kind of splash up off the turf, you know, as his head makes contact. But, you know, water, no water. I mean, it was it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty big hit. And, uh, you know, he stayed down on the ground for a little while. It's, it's probably not going to bode well for this week. You know, I just think back to how they handled Henry Toa Toa. I think Blake Cashman missed a game earlier this year. I mean, it might have been last year with the concussion. You're right. I mean, it typically does take a good week and then that ramp up for the following before you see a guy on the practice field again. To rub salt in the wound, the Browns beat the Jags with Joe Flacco. The Bengals beat the Colts. The Texans would have been in a virtual tie in the AFC South with the Colts one game in the distance if they had won the game. So it's just, I mean, it's just sad. It's real sad. This whole thing, the whole day has been sad. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I was actually just looking at the uh, the scores before we came on, and I was trying to figure out, like, all right, you know, that Bengals-Colts game, uh, you know, what would have been the preferred outcome there because you still have two head-to-heads left with the Colts. So uh, even if they would have won uh, today, I don't know how you would have felt about it. The point is, is you're losing – the opportunity to control your own destiny by this loss, you know, and I know we talked about that Broncos game last weekend that felt too like a a must win uh, just because maybe more so of the game that you were coming off against the Jaguars, a loss, you know, a game that you lost, that you feel like you shouldn't have. The Texans have had a lot of those this year, aside from, you know, really the first two weeks when expectations were nil and you kind of, uh, forfeited your belief, your faith in anything because it was the Ravens, because it was the Colts. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, as you're losing games at this point in the season because you do have reason to believe in your quarterback. You do have reason to believe in this receiver core. You have really reason to believe in this team. At least you did, you know, now going forward with what's left of it, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this is going to look like, you know, with a team that was already down, you know, Tank Dell, and we were convincing ourselves that, you know what, maybe we should feel pretty good because Nico, he, he's a freak this year. And, 
Noah Brown's been a big contributor, so on and so forth. And it's tough when you're uh, dropping dropping dudes, you know, left and right in a game like this. Um, it's it's hard to have a positive outlook on a game on any game going forward. And I know D'Amico echoed those sentiments to uh, in the post game. He was asked about. You know, what positives can you take away after a game like this? And he was just kind of at a loss for words. It was like, what positives? After the game, Brevin Jordan called the turf at MetLife Field trash, hard, and slick, quote-unquote. Keep in mind, that field had a poor reputation, and players were angry that it was not grass, especially since it's outdoors. But they couldn't make it grass because there was – other things that go on in that field and just trying to do all the conversions and stuff. They use that field for so much. But, Sean, they actually put in a new and improved turf back in March, according to experts. It's supposedly one of the best turf stadiums in the NFL. I understand what Brevin Jordan is saying. However, hard and slick, any field is going to be hard and slick in the rain and then the cold. And as far as the trash part, you know, the Texans had a bunch of injuries. Yes, but the Jets didn't. So I don't know, you know, if the field was just angry at the Texans or, or not, you know. Man, I I hate it. I hate this kind of stuff because you you probably heard D'Amico's press conference uh, in the post game, and he was asked about just that. Um, you know, what do you think of the turf? Players have been very much on record for their hatred of it. They always they've been saying it stinks, you know, for a while now. D'Amico was like, "Hey, man, the Jets played on it too." This worries me about the the youth that's on this Texans team. You know, look, Brevin's three years in. Now, I still qualify him as a young player. He had a career day last weekend in the win against the Broncos, 64 yards. It's not like you could say he's been there, done that. He's still very young, and I think mentally he's still very young. Um, and so that kind of tells me, like, you know, maybe the mentality for some of these Texans coming into this game, like they were preparing themselves almost like – to have built-in excuses. Man, it's cold. Man, it's rainy. Man, this turf stinks already. We're going to have to play in this crap and all that stuff. And it just kind of bothers me about the possibility there being a little bit of a uh, a leak in their their strong mentality that they've had up to this point when you have all of these things that are conversation pieces and, you know, negative narratives going into this game, but then you're going to use it as an excuse afterwards. That kind of bothers me about a D'Amico Ryan's coach team, but you know, it, at the end of the day, I think we were kind of prepared to have this conversation. At least I was because, you know, we've had the conversation about how this team responds from a loss, how this team responds to a win. Uh, We'd seen them fail in both of those facets already this season, but they've learned. This is going to be a big-time learning moment, I think, for this team going forward. And D'Amico Ryans mentioned it uh, in and of itself in the postgame when he said, hey, it's tell the truth Monday. That's what he calls it. And there's a lot of truth to be told, and it's going to be ugly truth on Monday when they go through this film session. Yeah, I'm not worried about the mental stuff after the game. I'm worried about the mental stuff before the game, and I want to get to that in just a second. But let's hear from you guys out there getting the comments. Uh, this week, I'm not going to unpack each possession. Nobody wants to relive this nightmare and that kind of detail. But, Sean, sometimes body language tells me all I need to know. And, Sean, Stroud looked stressed from the first snap. I didn't like his demeanor. I was watching him, and I was like, no, he just doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look right. Meanwhile, Zach Wilson came to the line of scrimmage. First snap of the game with this huge smile on his face. 
And I'm like, this is Zach Wilson looking comfortable. And I found it very interesting that after the game, Saleh said he played a be- this is the best game of his career. Yeah. The Texans really didn't make him look uncomfortable. And you talk about the mental stuff after the game. I'm worried about the mental stuff during the, the Texans did not look mentally prepared. Just crazy, you know, that Zach looked so comfortable in this game, given the fact that, you know, the Texans, they hit him nine times. They sacked him four times. They were getting pressure on him. But he did what he has done before in the past when he's been playing good football. Uh, And I know it's been few and far between in the league, but he utilized his legs. um, And I thought, you know, for Zach Wilson to have his best game as a pro, well, that also means that his offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, probably had one of his best games, at least as the offensive coordinator for the Jets. Uh, Forget about anywhere else. Uh, I think you have to give him credit, too. And look, yeah, did they take advantage of the Texans? you know, at times of having to, to to go with, you know, their three linebackers on the field. And then, you know, Cashman goes out, Harris gets banged up a little bit. Uh, it throws a wrench into what the Texans want to do personnel-wise uh, from a nickel position. And um, look, it just, it was kind of a, a perfect, horrible, ugly storm. But, you know, Zach Wilson made some damn good throws in this game. Zach Wilson made some amazing reads, <laughs> period, in this game. And he looked like if you compiled like the best of Zach Wilson and bottled this up and unleashed it uh, on any given Sunday, it was certainly opened up and unleashed today. I I don't know if it gets better for him here, you know, in the next four weeks of the regular season, if this is kind of a rejuvenation type of a game for him or something clicked. I don't know. I kind of doubt it. Uh, I just kind of dumb it down to it being a perfect storm. And unfortunately, man, the Texans, they came out flat in the first half and you could kind of squash it because it was 0-0. That was the most important two numbers that you could take away, despite how ugly the first 30 minutes of this game was. You had to feel good, really, if you're on both sides, probably better if you're the Jets because you're on your home turf. But uh, the Texans, they just did not execute at all and when your head coach says he didn't like the way his team came out to start pretty rare that in those elements on the road you're going to come out much better and they certainly came out maybe even flatter giving up I think a franchise record 30 points in the second half I don't know that they've ever done that in their 21 22 year history yeah Jay Adams uh in their comments you got about 40 things. I can't get to them all at once. We are going to get to all that Vince. stuff. Vince, go ahead and, and Vince. And, and he's just griping at everything and at everybody, and he's going off at everybody. I get it. Um, the Texans O-line, I, that, that's the one that really I'm upset with because they look like complete and total trash. George Fant got beat for two sacks on third down after not get getting beat once all year. Maybe I should get him with three sacks because Huff came off the edge on another third down, unblocked. Singletary was in protection, appeared to be looking for guys coming up the middle. So it, I would assume that Fant's just not supposed to leave the edge guy, you know, untouched right there. Dieter was giving up sacks and pressures when he wasn't holding. And, of course, Dieter was the one that was a big part of the responsibility for Stroud getting hurt. Scruggs gave up a sack, totally whipped his block on a design screen. This wasn't 
rainy field stuff, Sean. This wasn't rainy field stuff. This was technique and missed assignments. And the missed assignment stuff is getting a little bit old with the Texans offensive line. I get it. These guys, some of them are playing out of position, but George Fant should not be missing assignments like this. Not now. No, you're right. And it's uh, unfortunate for him and obviously the Texans. But, you know, I talked to Fant on Friday and I asked him, you know, kind of just about how his season is gone and him stepping into a full-time starter role, what this maybe means for him down the road going forward with Titus presumably coming back and assuming right tackle duties being is that he's the fourth highest paid right tackle in the entire league. Um, and Fant didn't really pull any punches. I was actually kind of surprised to hear him say this. Uh, but he said, hey, look, I came into this year trying to, you know, reset my market. Um, and, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, I don't know what the word is, but I guess he, you could say he probably started thinking a little bit more about it once Titus went down and he was going to be the right tackle. He's probably thinking, man, this is a great opportunity to really reset the market. Yeah, it certainly has because it's, it's getting a big head. That's the stuff that D'Amico's I, talked about. Like we cannot get a big head about maybe. just because yeah. we're doing well. You know, George Fant also, this is where he played. This was, you know, he's a jet. I mean, this is what he had a chance to show those guys. Look what you missed. And instead he goes out there lays a total egg, basically hands him about three possess- three critical possessions, I thought. And the other part about it is Juice Scruggs. Now, I-, I was a big Juice Scruggs fan, but I'm a big Juice Scruggs fan as a center. And I know they like these guys playing multiple positions, but I think we're seeing right now, Sean, Juice Scruggs is not a guard. He's a center. And the Texans need to start looking at these at some of these guys as they can't play 14 positions. Titus Howard sucks at guard. Juice Scruggs sucks at guard. Get a guard to play guards. You know, I understand the injuries this year, but from now going forward, learn your lessons and get guys that play the positions that they've played in college, not make them play 14 different positions on the offensive line. Yeah, and it's a question that deserves to be asked certainly this week of D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Slowick, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if they say what they've said multiple times this season, that, hey, they believe they've got the best five guys out there, period, regardless of their quote-unquote natural position. But I'm with you. Um, it's it's when, when you When you're trotting out, you know, six different starting offensive line, regardless of the reasons why, they've – all been because of injury. It hasn't been for lack of production in which they've, you know, benched a guy here or there. It's been all because of injury. You have to constantly reevaluate this stuff. Um, you know, one more point on Fant and the day that he had today. Uh, just, and really, I, I, I kind of started thinking about it with him letting, uh, I forget who it was, you mentioned his name, but uh, the edge rusher, let him go untouched, you know, huh. to get the Stroud. Huff, you're right. You know, Tunsil's done that a couple of times this season. And when you put that stuff out on film, you know, some I'm not saying that it's always the case, but one thing is guaranteed, you know, the opposing offensive coordinator and those coaches are picking up on, on, on things. And I just wonder if maybe there's a tell 
and the type of protection that's being called on certain looks based upon pre-snap defensive alignment. And so I think that may be something that Bobby Slowick and his staff have to go back and look at and see what they're doing uh, when they call a protection out. Sometimes it could be, uh, you know, verbiage that is being used that hasn't changed. Uh, sometimes it could be uh, a way a guy is aligned. You know what they're doing. You know that that's not a read guy. You know that they're just not worried about him, or you know that a running back or that a right tackle or a left tackle is just, um, you know, negating even blocking that guy or paying any attention to him. So I think that's definitely something that Bobby Slowick, Chris Strauser, and the other offensive coaches need to really take a hard look at. Yeah, unfortunately, as far as the offensive line's concerned, you're screwed because none of this stuff can be fixed this year. We're too deep into it. What are you going to do? Who are you going to change out? I don't know what you do right now. As far as the defense goes, Eddie says, look, um, Jets have the kind of defense I want the Texans to strive for next year. Uh, you know, of course, of course, like you want a great defense. But let me just point out, the Texans defense looked pretty good in the first half. They gave up a couple of drives, but they stiffened up when they needed to, Sean. But losing Blake Cashman, I, I we talk about Blake Cashman because that guy is the most consistent and he has been the best week in and week out tech. He's definitely their best linebacker, but he's probably the best defensive player. Christian Harris forced the fumble, but then the next possession, him and Jake Hansen were a day late and a dollar short when the Jets were walking it down the field and losing him at linebacker and replacing him with guys like Toa Toa and Jake Hansen is just awful. Yeah, I mean, you can't do it. There's a reason why, you know, Blake has been able to slide in seamlessly into the Mike linebacker position. You know, he has full control of that defense. He gets it. He understands it. Most importantly for him, the dude's been healthy uh, to execute this year. Um, I mean, you go back and look. When he's just been on the field, whether it be in a starter role or not coming off the bench, the guy just seems to be in and around every play. Uh, he's had a great nose for the football, and I think it has everything to do with his comfortability and the confidence in him to to run that position and to be trusted on the field as a playmaker, whether it be a forced fumble, fumble recoveries, interceptions, you know, tackles, TFLs this year. He's been on it, man. Um, and, and if you're the Texans, you have to roll with a rookie. And Jake Hansen, who is, you know, I, I don't know if they could have found a guy lighter in the ass than him to play the linebacker position this year, but um, he just ain't the answer. And they their backs are up against the wall. Um, when you're giving up that big of a cushion, uh, the way that Steve Nelson was too, you know, that underneath stuff that they were hitting today, it's going to be there, especially without a pass rush uh, consistently. Uh, look, Nathaniel Hackett, Zach Wilson did exactly what I thought Bobby Slowick and C.J. Stroud were going to do, were going to have to do today, and that is dial up that quick pass game that works so well weeks three through really nine. And I'll say really hit its stride, you know, around weeks six and seven um, and dealing with, you know, a lot of the early pressures, uh, C.J. Stroud. Look at the difference over the course of the last month and how much Stroud has had to operate outside of the pocket and get creative within. Zach Wilson did a fantastic job of getting the ball out of his hands today, eluding the rush to did 
played about as good a game, not just with Zach Wilson, but, you know, as a quarterback possibly could have played in the elements like today. Yeah. And I was surprised that the Texans defense kind of wasn't prepared for the crossers over the middle. That was like an easy touchdown for the Jets, you know, in the second half. They weren't prepared for the screens, the dump. I mean, guys were just wide open. And I'm like, this is Zach Wilson. What what are you worried about? Get up in a rainy field. Get up. Get tighter. The the coverage, the guys should have been much tighter up against the line of scrimmage. And guys should have been getting loose at the at the five-yard marker and just been able to run free right there. Yeah. And look, I I, I, I started to mention this earlier, you know, with Zach. Um, there's, there's obviously look a, a massive element of look the Texans. They didn't execute, uh, no matter who was on the field. But guys that start these games are on the field and they're starters for a reason. They execute better. Um, they execute more. They execute when they need to. And so when you lose key guys defensively, like the Texans did, and certainly Blake Cashman and you know, Christian Harris going down for a little bit and having to rely so much on these guys. I think it's in a larger point too. It worries me about just the overall mentality coming into this game. And it's a precipitous drop off. You know, if your starters aren't ready to go, then I don't really necessarily believe that your backups are really ready to go um, to a certain degree, but to Zach Wilson and, you know, talking about him, it's, I think, we all anticipated him being kind of a a, a, a a dump off kind of a guy today, you know, just hit a lot of stuff underneath. He played with the mentality and you could almost see it in the first 15 minutes of this ball game that, you know what? He's about as free as he's ever been as a quarterback playing with nothing to lose. You know, he's just trying to put good film out there for, you know, some other team next year, maybe to compete for a backup job somewhere. You know, his own organization has botched this situation all season long. They haven't had his back. His head coach has pleaded the fifth when asked about him. I mean, he's thinking like, you know what? Screw it. I got nothing to lose. He played that way. But you know what? His receivers, they ran the better routes today. I mean, if you're stacking offense to offense, their receivers, they played like they were a 7-5 and team coming in, and they had playoff hopes on the line. That's how they played. That's how they executed today. The the better team today absolutely won this game. You played on the same garbage field, and both teams, you know, had very different things lying ahead of them coming into this one, but it was very evident, you know, the Jets, they wanted this one more. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's not even debatable. Um, and the game could have been worse because Stroud had two or three passes that should have been intercepted. The Jets dropped a <laughs> yeah. couple of them. And big picture, I just got to talk about Nico for a second and injuries for a second with the Texans. Mm -hmm. Nico has got a history of not being able to make it through a season. You are always going to be concerned about Tank Dell not being able to make it through a season. You are always going to be worried about Derek Stingley not being able to make it through the season. Blake Cashman, if he's your best linebacker next year, or you sign him to a multi-year contract, you're not going to be able to, you know, think, oh, we got a guy for the whole season. I mean, the Texans' best players right now have an injury history. 
And it's a concern, Sean, moving forward. You've got to have guys that can stay on the field. And look, there's injuries that happen in the NFL. But sometimes guys are more prone to injury, more prone to bad luck. I don't know what it is. But for somebody like Tank Dell and Derek Stingley, we already know what the concerns are there. And I don't know what the deal is with Nico because he's a big guy. But now there are concerns with him. I'm just saying that's an issue. Yeah. Soft tissue injuries are are an issue with anybody. Um, you know, never mind the guy's injury history. Nico dealing with a cap because of his size, um, you know, that's a problem. Um, I to 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 the seriousness, to the varying degrees that it could be. Who knows? Um, it, it would have been a risk, you know, for the Texans to roll the dice and bring in Nico back uh, in the second half today, just because of the elements, the weather, um, and you've got a lot of football. Say that <laughs> you got four games left. Uh, it's still a lot of football relative to, you know, the Texans position. Some important games lie ahead, but um, hopefully he's good to go for this next week. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I would even throw Titus Howard into the mix because I know he played 17 games last season, but the years prior to that, he played in 15, he played in 14 and missed, you know, a chunk of the season uh, prior to that. It, their injuries are an issue. I, I just think, you know, looking ahead, the Texans are going to have a lot of money to spend this next offseason. And the successes that they've had both offensively and defensively, um, I, I think you're really going to be able to take a, a pretty easy look and see that, you know what, there were some guys, hey, look, they had career years. Maybe they played over their heads a little bit. Uh, they sure would be some quality depth pieces going forward. And I just wouldn't be surprised if the Texans really do a lot of shopping in the linebacker core. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, you know, do a little bit more shopping uh, on, uh, you know, depth in the secondary. Certainly wide receiver is going to be a big focus, not just in the draft, which is supposed to be a pretty deep one for wide receiver as well. But they've got some key pieces on both sides of the ball that they're going to be able to spend some money on and should be able to significantly improve. And I think some of these guys that you're seeing play key roles right now this year for this team that now are banged up, probably going to be good depth pieces next year for them. But here's the issue. You're talking about the Band-Aids are the free agent guys typically. NFL Super Bowl teams don't usually get built on free agent guys. You get built by drafting studs. And the problem is the Texans' studs, they're concerned because they can't stay on the field. Stingley, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, these are the guys that you're, you're going to roll with. You know, hopefully Stroud, you know, this is a concussion. Obviously, this is not something to be concerned about. One concussion. But, um, yeah, to me, that's a big deal. Which guys did you think – are you referring to Texans that had career years? Who do you think of the Texans has had – a career year. Blake Cashman, I guess, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Blake Cashman, you know, was at the forefront of my mind. Um, you know, Nico Collins has had a career year. Um, the Texans should obviously be trying to upgrade at wide receiver um, because of what you'd said in terms of the concern about Nico going forward. Can he last a whole season? Not just that, hey, you know, can he be a real dude in this offense? I mean, I think that's an obvious uh, yes, he can. It's just you're always looking to improve and create competition. And um, with such a wide receiver, with such a deep wide receiver draft, I think that's an opportunity for the Texans to take full advantage of. And who knows what's going to be out there on the open market? I haven't taken a look at it. Um, I just think, you know, those two off the top of my head, probably uh, 
some areas and who knows look running back situation offensive line maybe it changed things up there schematically every penciled in starter on the offensive lines here through 2026 um Tunsil ain't going anywhere. Howard's not going anywhere, at least if they're health, healthy and able to play. Shaq Mason was inked up, you know, for the next three years. Um, what you do at center and left guard, that's really the biggest questions in terms of a long-term fix. And my guess is, is the Texans feel pretty good about who they have in-house. They just got to be healthy and be able to play and contribute on the field. I don't want to judge these backup receivers, Xavier Hutchinson, John Mechie, based on a wet, cold Jets game where you're going up against one of the best secondaries, one of the best defenses in the NFL. But Mechie, he dropped a pass. Noah Brown dropped a couple of pass. I mean, guys were not making catches that they needed to make. That's a concern. I was really hoping because, you know, a few weeks ago, I was like, well, you got Tank Dell. And you got Nico Collins. You don't need to draft receivers. And where I felt the Texans really needed to beef up is defense and get more young studs on the defensive side. Yeah. Um, safety, I understand. It looks okay, but I'm not a big fan of Jalen Petrie. And the other guys are just kind of rentals at this point. I'm not a big fan of the linebacking core. Um, you, you definitely want to get somebody that's not patchwork, although Sheldon Rankins had another good game. Elite Collins has had his, you know, here and there, but you you would like to get somebody in the middle. I was hoping you could focus on defense. As far as running back is concerned, absolutely. That that's something in today's NFL that you can just go, we'll we'll we'll, we'll take care of that in free agency because those guys are always available. But yeah, I was I thought, you know, wide receiver was it going to be something to be concerned about? But now you just worry because you know, can these guys stay on the field? Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you're going to have a different quarterback throwing him a football, uh, presumably this next week, too. And his name's going to be Davis Mills. Case Keenum's probably going to be active if that's the case, too. And um, it's it's just going to be a very critical week for this team to get right offensively without, you know, their stud rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, being in the mix for it. Um, it's a big game on the road in Tennessee that you have to prepare for. I, I was really, really surprised. And look, maybe this is baptism by fire with Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, Hutchinson today had eight, eight tar- no, not eight targets, three targets. As long as catch was for eight yards. Prior to this game, he'd run the ball on these little end arounds, these gimmicky plays that he, uh, Slokes put him in there for, kind of similar to Mechie when he sprinkled them in at times. But he had four targets. I mean, he almost doubled up his targets in one game. And I I wrote about it coming into this game saying that, you know, I would really be surprised if Slowick relied upon Xavier Hutchinson much at all, just given the small sample size. I thought if anybody was going to be able to contribute in a similar way to the way that they used Tank Dell this season, it would be John Mechie you know, with the quick pass game, getting in and out of breaks quicker. I know it's always going to be tough, you know, on rainy conditions, regardless of what field you're playing on. The elements were going to play a role in it. But the New York Jets, they didn't seem to have any problem in it today in the second half when they needed to make a play. They seemed to make a play. They had a handful of chunk plays, you know, that went for at least 18 yards today. The Texans, I could probably count on, you know, one hand and 
I feel like it was probably around three or something like that. And it was your usual suspects, at least going off of last week's game. Brevin Jordan had one for 23, 24 yards. But aside from that, it wasn't much, man. It was feast and famine and a lot of famine. Singletary had 13 carries, 65 yards. Most of that in the first half, nearly all of it in the first half. But, you know, he wasn't the problem. Five yards a carry, really, for the first half and almost for the game, close to five a carry. So, yeah, exactly five a carry. So, yeah. You kind of wish they would have relied. It might look different, you know, if they're able to be the first, you know, team to deliver a gut punch in the first half when when nobody was able to score. Kind of wonder if the Texans might should have leaned on their run game more early and often. I talked uh, about it with the Jets insider on Friday. I said, Jets are one of the worst defenses against the run. I said, is that more circumstances? And he said, no, but I was watching them today. And I'm like, no, they don't look like they're really good against the run. The Texans looked again great. You know, all year long, the Texans have looked good against the run. And as the weeks progress, they look better and better against the run, Sean. That's really their strength, if anything, on defense. And you would think, with that, with you know, looking good against the run, looking bad against the run, and and in conditions like this, you would have thought advantage Texans. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, especially you know, if it's if it's working, you know, if you're able to get you know three and a half, four and a half, you know, I know the end of the day, Singletary, uh, you know, he busted out a 17 yard run and a 16 yard run. That's going to kind of beef up the numbers a little bit. But I mean, you know, look, you're going to take three and a half, four and a half yards carry any time, no matter who's the back and. I just thought, you know, you you want to establish, in my mind, uh, toughness early on. On the road, in these elements, let's just see if we can get this ground game going. And when they did run the ball, it, was, it wasn't bad. It was just, I felt like when you kind of get a pulse of things, if you're Bobby Sloak did the first couple of possessions and you really look at things and you're like, you know what, I think we might be able to run the ball here. Let's see on this, you know, third or fourth possession, let's see if we can really hammer it home. Let, let's let's really commit to the run here. Go play action. You know, uh, let's get some pre-snap motion. Try to set the edge. Get off on the edge. Let Singletary go to work. You know, I, I didn't see that. And it's it's always easier to say in hindsight, but I really think that's got to be an area in which Bobby Slowick takes a hard look at. We've seen his ability. I'm talking about Slowick now. We've seen his ability to be able to make adjustments, you know, from week to week, and at times, you know, in game, um, in the in the past game, you know, and, and figure some stuff out there. I mean, I think this guy through 14 games or 13 games now his batting average is real low, well below the Mendoza line in terms of being able to adjust and find a way to really take advantage of the run when it is going well, how to make it a bigger and better part of your offense. And I, I, I've been talking about play action. I'd like to see more of it. I think you have a quarterback that can do it regardless of the elements. And I think you have the personnel that can do it. Um, the, the thing that concerns me the most is this is a couple of weeks in a row now where it's appeared that Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary aren't on the same page as C.J. Stroud in the offensive line. I think communication is a real big-time issue for whatever reason, and that's going to have to be something that's uh, corrected over the next few days. Yeah, um, a lot a lot of things look pretty bad, and I'm just wondering, Sean. I mean, I'm watching the television broadcast. You're tuned in more to the radio side. 
do you feel like from what you heard from those guys, from what, you know, you've seen, I guess at this point, I mean, you and I are doing this at five o'clock. Is this Will Anderson serious injury? Is Nico's injury serious? I mean, is this something that you think is could end up costing him the rest of the season? Or is this this I mean, you you want to say it's minor because we haven't we didn't see him get carried off the field. You know, we didn't hear like anybody broke anything, anybody pulled anything. Like where what what do you think's the deal with these other injuries? Are you talking about Cashman and uh, Collins particularly? Yeah, and Will, Will Anderson, you know, he had the ankle. He came out with that, too. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Anderson kind of concerns me a little bit more, uh, I'd say, equally as much as Nico, just because of Nico's history. And I think Nico's already had a calf situation uh, this season. Um, I could be wrong. Um, Hell, the Texans have had the most injuries in the entire league. We've had to keep up with that. And my, (laughs) my brain gets mushy when I'm trying to think of specific injuries. Um, you know, certain guys, but I, I'm concerned a little bit about Will because, you know, he's shown up on the injury report in recent weeks with a knee. And, you know, I don't know if it's the same leg uh, or not, but if it is or it isn't, I just worry about that guy getting banged up. Um, you know, this stage of the season, uh, guys are going to, you know, brush it off. CJ already did. D'Amico already did about CJ this past week about, you know, look, these rookies playing the most football they ever had in, in their entire career in a given season. You know, college football, you make it to the top, and you're playing 13 games a season or thereabouts, and there's still a month left of football left, important football. And so, yeah, it, it, it does concern me in terms of Will Anderson and what he has left in that body of his that's banged up now more than ever in his football life. Uh, Nico is probably my number one concern just because, my gosh, um, he's your most explosive, most reliable pass catcher uh, that's left, you know, with Tank being out. And Robert Woods didn't even get a dang target last week. And he only played in like, you know, 42, 43% of the offensive snaps. And so now you're relegated to relying so much on basically two rookies in Xavier Hutchinson and John Mechie, along with, well, you're going to have Nico Collins or not. Well, how much can Robert Woods actually contribute in terms of what Slowick likes to do with him within this uh, route tree? So I'm, I'm concerned on a number of fronts. Anything um, you want to close with? I mean, I, I I don't have anything else. I just, you know, I just wish there was like a silver lining. I wish that I knew, oh, this Nico thing might only be a week. The concussion I'm feeling like could only be a week, you know, but it's a big week. It's a big week. I mean, those two I, injuries are like, you know, those two injuries basically decide whether the Texans still have a, a playoff chance or not. I wished uh, I was football witty enough to have a silver lining for you at this point in time, but I'm really going to have to close my eyes and I might even have to dream on this one, man, uh, about, um, you know, silver lining. I mean, you just think about it. You're, your playoff implications uh, took a big hit today. Um, you lost your quarterback potentially for at least a week with C.J. Stroud being out with the presumable concussion and who knows what else. Um, your top receiver, Nico Collins, is dealing with a calf injury and got knocked out early in this one. Your most reliable linebacker and Blake Cashman is banged up and who knows if he's able to return this week. Uh, your offensive coordinator 
now is challenged with, like I'd said, relying upon two rookies, an offensive line, a running back, and a new quarterback thrown into the mix now with Davis Mills, who they already weren't on the same page with. It appeared in recent weeks in terms from a communication standpoint, picking up blitzes, identifying blockers, even being on the same page in you know, the pass game, dump offs in the backfield. I worry about all of these things, and I think rightfully so. I, I don't know what the silver lining is. I, I, I really don't because now you go on the road, you face a divisional opponent next week in Tennessee. They're going to be wearing them stinking Oilers jerseys on your ass again, and it um, – it's it's looking it's looking really really bleak. Hopefully, over the course of the next couple of three days, you know, it's probably not going to be till Wednesday that we get an update in terms of health on anybody, especially regarding uh, C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, and Blake Cashman. Never mind Will Anderson as well. Um, I guess the silver lining, your kicker today, Matt Amendola, <laughs> missed a dang extra point or. Uh, and you're getting Kaimi Fairbairn back, presumably, um, this week. I, I guess that's a silver lining. I don't know. Yeah, and just um, one thing on the Coach of the Year stuff. You know, D'Amico, we were talking about him and Dan Campbell, and they're talking about other coaches. Look, I, I, I'm not being a homer about this. If D'Amico Ryans gets this team losing all the offensive linemen, having musical chairs on the offensive line, a rookie quarterback, losing one of their two best wide receivers, potentially one of their other two best wide receivers. We'll see about Nico Collins. If he gets with all, with as many injuries and as the musical chairs on the offensive line and quarterback and on and on and takes a team from the second worst in the NFL to the playoffs, he's your coach of the year. This isn't me being a homer. This isn't me being wearing my Texan cap. This is just the facts. D'Amico Ryan's like if he pulls this off, I I, I don't care what Dan. I don't care if Dan Campbell, freaking, if he gets world peace here in the next three days. I don't care. <laughs> D'Amico Ryan's is the coach of the year if this team gets the playoffs. You know, period, end of sentence. That's it. Well, so um, Dan Dan Campbell got his. Uh his knees and ankles bit off pretty good today, <laughs> you know, by the, by the yeah. Chicago bears, uh, they got the brakes blown off of them. So he wasn't biting many ankles today or what, what was this whole thing? <laughs> biting your kneecaps off or whatever it was. Look uh, to me, like if D'Amico Ryan's goes 500, you know, the rest of the way they go two and two, these next four games and they missed the postseason. Um, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if the dude got coach of the year, unless of course, Dan Campbell and the, Lions maybe go three and run the West of the Ray and, you know, maybe even went out and just uh, get into the playoffs and make some noise. Uh, I'm guessing these things are decided just like the Pro Bowl, like the MVP, you know, slightly before the end of the regular season. I, I don't know. I don't know. I know this. Whether he gets the hardware or not, D'Amico Ryans is your dude, and he probably has a coach of the year uh, in his sights in, in, down the road in the future. So uh, I think all we care about is you got your coach, and you got your quarterback uh, for a long time coming, and you just hope like hell you can maintain an offensive coordinator in Bobby Sloak for the foreseeable future that he doesn't get poached for a head coaching job, doesn't try to leave too early and set himself up for failure, which I do not anticipate after just one season with the Texans. I think that's going to be talked about a lot, but I just uh, I wouldn't bet anything on it, um, you know, and 
granted that's me being a non-gambler as it is but i just wouldn't bet on it but um hey look D'Amico's had a hell of a year already you just stop now uh there's four games left and it is going to be an incredible um incredible story if this guy is able to uh, get his team to the postseason with all of the hurdles that they've already jumped over. Uh, but never mind going forward without potentially Stroud for at least one of your next four games and maybe your top wide receiver uh, out for the foreseeable future in Nico Collins. Who knows? A lot of what ifs, but still a lot of questions that may have some answers over the course of the next four days as we uh, head into the uh, Titans game, big road game coming up this next week. Yeah, and I'm sure I speak for all Texans fans. I don't need any Christmas presents this year. I just need these guys to get back on the field and get healthy and and make these last few games of the season fun and interesting, which I thought it was going to be. I was so looking forward to this, to finally have like a a stretch of games here at the end of the season where Texans playoffs really mattered. But we'll see you guys next time. Don't forget our midweek show where we go through Texans stuff, potential Rocket show, maybe – depending on uh, who I can grab as a guest. But uh, we'll be talking about all this stuff going forward. Have a great one, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.